This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Stacey West Podcast. I'm Ben, Gary is with me once again. Are you well my good man? I'm very well Ben, thank you. I'm flexible. You're flexible. Yes, you are flexible. I have to be You're flexible like, uh, when I partner Rigid Ben on the podcast. Rigid Ben? Rigid oh. Ben. It's your it's not, way or no way. I've got, uh, it's not my fault. I've got many irons in the fire that mean I have to slightly, de- you know, slightly change the recording time. You were the one that slightly. couldn't do yesterday. You've changed, the, you've, you've changed the time and the day. I could do yesterday. I was going to record yesterday. You said oh. that you, you, you were out in the evening. You wanted to do it earlier again oh bloody hell oh anyway <laughs> anyway i'm all right mate Either how way. are you <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm just getting that in there I'm, yeah <laughs> i've been I working thought, on that all day and it wasn't as funny as i thought it was gonna be <laughs> um yeah i'm not too bad mate i'm not too bad obviously um yeah you know busy uh busy week but not gonna stop us uh getting this one out although it is a day late but um i mean we we'll, we might as well jump straight into it and we'll we'll get on and talk about the game against uh, against Bolton on Tuesday night. Now, going into it, I thought we'd probably, you know, we'd probably get a win. Um, didn't really expect 5-1. And if I'm honest, I think over the course of 90 minutes, I think 5-1 maybe flattered us a little bit. Um, what was your what was your take on the result and the performance and all the rest of it? Yeah, it flattered us massively. Um, hugely flattered us. We... I'd be hesitant to say we got off to a good start because I thought it was an even even start um, in terms of the balance of play. I thought they they yeah, obviously they went a little bit direct. They were looking for the big lump up top, who's you know all elbows, probably better with his elbows than is his feet these days, Daryl Murphy. Um, but they were effective. They've got some real tidy players. Uh, obviously, we we took the lead with you know a winger's headed goal, which is becoming something of a trademark. Um, and I was really pleased for Harry with that. And that, just touching on that, first of all, do you know Harry was one of the players that dropped straight out of the side when Michael Appleton come in, and you thought, oh, okay, they're doing that thing, you know, where you go in and the manager and he picks someone right. You were a Cowley player, sit on your ass in the stands. That's what it felt like. I'm sure mm. it wasn't. 
Um, but Harry's come back and really proved himself, and I, I'm you know I'm pleased for him, and I'm impressed by him at the same time. Um, but then I thought the, the the rest of the first half was was flat. It was tepid. It was quiet in the stands. The football was poor from both sides. You know, I know Michael said we had control. We never looked like we were going to concede. And in the first half, we didn't. Um, but our passing was poor. I thought, uh, and again, it sounds critical. And I can't believe I'm sat here with one five one, and I'm going to be critical. Uh, but I thought Connor Coventry looked nervous. Um, I thought he misplaced quite a few of his passes. Uh, Tyler Walker looked a little bit isolated. And it just felt almost as if, it felt a lot like a, a game from last year where we take, took the lead and then we went, right, now we're not going to get beat. Um, and I uh, then continued my curse because I remember sp- explicitly saying on uh, Sunday night that Ronan Darcy was the exciting young player for them, but he wasn't League One quality. Uh, and obviously he came out and changed the second half, didn't he? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it was a you know cracking finish. And I think you're, you're spot on with the... Um, the sort of summing up there of the first half, I I turned to turned to Rachel at one point and just said to her, "This feels like a, you know, it feels like a training game or a preseason game at some spots. You know, it didn't didn't have the edge, didn't have the bite to it that you'd you'd come to expect." And I just thought, um, well, you know, friend of the pod, uh, Jack was tweet uh, Jack Mulhall was tweeting at half time and or just before half time and said, "Come on, they're not going to score. Let's all go home and we can catch Silent Witness before uh, you know before, if we leave now." Um, and then, and yeah, then they scored. And then yeah, came out like <laughs> two minutes after the two minutes after the break, and they scored. Um, so yeah, it, it just didn't feel like a competitive game until they got themselves back in it. Um, and then there was probably a good what 10, 15 minutes where it looked like they were going to be the team that would that were going to score and that they were going to sneak the win. Um, yeah, fortunately. You wouldn't have said they were on top, though, would you? No, they, no, they, I think they that... looked like they were going to score, and they had their moments. Yeah, and you, you're quite right, but it wasn't a matter of them scoring, and then suddenly it was looking like we weren't going to score because, in reality, after they scored, I thought every time we went forward, you felt that there was going to be a chance. Yeah, and I think the thing is with with Bolton was that they we managed to limit them quite well to having well, primarily shots from distance, wasn't it? It was shots from distance and set pieces. Um, they were good at them, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, their um, their corner tactic of getting everybody on the line. I thought when I saw it for the first time, I just thought that that seemed it. It just felt grubby, like you know, there's something not right about it. But um, really, I I don't know. I, I the thing is, it only worked from the left hand side because Darcy couldn't deliver it from the right under the crossbar, and when they got one over on mm. the right hand side, um, the lad couldn't do quite the same, but. You know, corner's a corner. You load the ball in there and you try and get it. I, I think, it, to be honest, I thought it was a great tactic. I wish we had somebody that could deliver that and we could get everyone on the line and let's cause pandemonium and panic. Grubby, for me, would have been coming setting 11 men behind the ball or 10 men behind the ball, Murphy up front and just pumping it to him every time and trying to, I mm. won't swear because I went in trouble for it, but trying to, you know, <laughs> fight out a draw. I can't yeah. believe I couldn't think of a word other than shit house there. <laughs> I was desperately trying to think of a word and I couldn't come up with one. Um, that would have been grubby, but no, sorry. Yeah, so back to you on the corners. No, I, I, I mean, it's it, it just felt, I don't know, like having all your players around and then, you know, crowding the keeper out. I just think, nah. I mean, to be fair, all it takes is the keeper to fall on the floor and the ref gives a free, you know, gives a free kick to the defensive team. So it's um i mean it you know it worked out in our favor in a way cuz they didn't score from it but yeah i mean 
Um, the the moment that changed the game really was was Tyler's goal. Um, again, really good vision, great great touch and a great finish um, from Tyler. And then I think uh, the, the floodgates just you just saw that little crack, didn't you? A little crack in the dam where the water just starts to spring out a little tiny bit. And then as the third goal went in, it just slowly opened up a bit more. And then, you know, by 82 minutes, whatever it was, I think it was just a, a torrent um, where their, their heads completely dropped and they didn't really seem to care about the game at that point. Um, and we looked a lot more like we were going to score every time we went forward again, and which is more or less what happened, didn't it? It was uh, a yeah, crazy end they, to the game. They folded, didn't they, like a bad poker hand? It was... yeah. Um, I mean, Tyler looks dangerous all the time. He is a man banging form. And, you know, him and Joe Morrell are crucial to whatever we achieve in the second half of the season. We have got to keep them um, because they have been arguably two of our very best players this season, along with someone else I'm sure we'll talk about soon. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was a fantastic finish from Tyler. I thought it was perhaps not quite as good as uh, Darcy's goal, but it was it was a quality, quality finish. And as soon as that went in, I actually thought we would go on and then we would we, we would win the game comfortably. And that didn't happen straight away. Um, they, I think it was at 2-1 that they actually had a couple of their, their corners, didn't they? I don't think they were at one all. I think that was at 2-1. I might be wrong on that. Um, but I turned to my mate and said, I, I, you know, I can see us drawing this. I can still see them getting into it because... They had some decent players. They had Darcy, they had Politic on the flank. They obviously had Murphy. Chris O'Grady came on, but he wasn't a decent player and he never is whenever I've seen him. Don't know how he's still a footballer. Um, but then the third went in, as you say, and it was Joe Morrell, who was my man of the match. thought Morrell was outstanding, mm-hmm. absolutely outstanding. Um, but Big John, poss- you said the goal changed the game, possibly, or did Big John? Because when he came on, you know, there was young players out there and having Big John to think about as well as, you know, three different left-backs they played. Harry Anderson was torturing them. Um, George Grant let them off the hook twice. You know, yeah. he could quite easily, when you look at the balance of play with, with another, the effort from Tyler in the first half that he's hit from about 15 yards when he could have taken it another five yards and placed it. Mm. You know, we could have won 10-1, but if we perform like that against other teams, the likelihood is that we will, we will end up coming out with less than a win. Um, yeah, that you know, and I think when you say at the end that they didn't care, I think, I think the problem is that they did care, and I think that's the worst thing because they didn't know how to respond. You had a lot of players out there who were just they're just dumbstruck at getting beaten. You know, they they just look like they're taking steps forward, then they get thrashed. Mm. They look, you know, they, they did that before Christmas. Accrington pumped them seven one. We were talking about them having a few decent results before us. We smashed them five one. Um, rest assured, they'll not be that bad when we go there later in the month or later. Oh, in no, year. absolutely not. No, I mean it was, it was that it was the fear, wasn't it? That you know the game was being rearranged for after the after the window, so it was oh they're going to get some decent players and they're going to have that. But ultimately, if you're getting players in and not giving them a whole amount of time before the games start, then you're not going to have that that cohesion and that that sort of you know the team that they actually need there at the minute. Um, no. I remember they lost um they lost uh, Adam Chickson and uh, Josh Earl who were both on loan and both mm. defensive players and they they were uh, I think Chickson left on a short I think he'd been on a short term deal and Josh Earl went back to Preston if they had both been in the side they wouldn't have conceded five you know that that game on the balance of the play we probably you would have come away at 3-1 going that's a fair result or a fair reflection of the game yeah um and and you know John's brace at the end just uh, 
just rounded it off nicely. Yeah, I mean, who was? Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember what the which player it was that there was a, a lad that I think was playing at uh, centre back or something. Salah. Yeah, he he Insala, impressed me. Quality. He, well, he, he really he's impressed ob- me. Obviously, we've we've played we've seen him a few times. Um, he played against us in the Czech Trade Trophy final for Shrewsbury. Uh, I believe he played against us earlier in the season for Ipswich and he didn't impress, but I thought he looked very, very good. Um, and there, were, there was a couple sat around me, it was a couple of people who sit with us, and they all said the same, that he, he looked, he's going to be a big player for them. They won't stay up, um, but he's a, he's a, he's going to be a big player for them. He's on loan from Ipswich as well. So. Mm. Yeah, I think he was really... <sighs> Um, he, he was the one that that really stood out for me on the, on Tuesday night. In you know, not exactly a not exactly a great bunch, but uh, there we go. Um, right. So obviously the the biggest talking point of the game wasn't during the game. Um, it was afterwards. Now um, it's yeah, it's it's one of those, isn't it? Now it's what what do we say and and how do you breach the subject of of what happened? We'll do it when he's we'll do it when he's gone. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, it- you say what you want. I'll I'll chat about it when he goes because at the minute, there's with somebody like Harry Toffolo, there's no guarantee that he'll go because the offer it won't he won't just go for the money like Bruno. He doesn't have to go for his future security like Michael O'Connor did. Um, so the move will have to be right. So, but I'll let you talk about it, and I'll I'm still in denial. Yeah, I mean. It, it- it was one of those like throughout the game there was a there was a couple of people around us just saying oh you know is he going to go is he going to go and I was sat there and I thought well I, I don't know at the minute I don't think he will and you know X Y Z for for whatever reasons but at the end I mean it, it was pretty much as as clean cut as a goodbye as you're going to get um, you know coming over to the crowd chucking his uh, shirt into the crowd and, and blowing all blowing the kisses to all the fans and hugging all the teammates certainly seemed like Harry Toffolo's played his last game for Lincoln City which would be you know, it, it'd be gutting if he went because we've, you know, we've interviewed him on the podcast and we've spoken to him a few times away from, away from that as well. And he's a genuinely nice bloke and he, you know, he's, he's a fantastic ambassador for the club. He does a lot outside of the, you know, away from the pitch. Um, and it, it would be a, a huge shame if he went. Now, I had a bit of a, bit of a whinge on Twitter earlier because I'm already seeing a lot of comments that, we've sort of tried not to address on on the podcast where it's you know about snakes and all sorts but at the end of the day it's football and you said this on the podcast after the fans forum where I think the question was asked of Clive and someone said oh are you worried that in January um Danny's going to come in and and gut the squad essentially Um, and I think Clive's answer was something along the lines of they love the club. They're not going to do anything that would put the club in jeopardy and they want to see Lincoln City progress. Something along those lines. Um, and, you know, reading between the lines on that, it was sort of one of those where, right, is there some sort of, you know, quote, gentleman's agreement in place and all this? And and that's that's done the rounds now and that's become gospel, um, which is, you know, how Chinese whispers and rumours seem to work. But... I mean, you said it on the podcast at the time. You said if they come in, if they've got the money, which they will have, and if they want to take one of our players, they will do because there are release clauses in the contracts. There are, you know, multiple factors at play. 
Um, so yeah, it, if he goes, he, he goes. It'll be it'll be sad, but ultimately, you know, it's it's his career, and it will be from, from if you take all the emotion away from it, you take all of the the loyalties and everything else away. It will be a hell of a move for him um, to to move up to the championship and, and try and prove himself in that division. So, um, do you want to talk about the the, the, the two that have definitely gone? Yeah, I'll talk about those because I. I... I've actually told some some Roy, good friend of uh, of mine, and obviously ours, actually messaged me and said, "Are you going to be giving any airtime to the uh, anti Cowley nonsense?" Um, and I said, "I don't have an anti Cowley. I've got an anti Linda and an anti June." So <laughs> that's my take on it. Um, yeah. So yeah, Ben Coker and Tom Pat have been told that they can leave the club. I've literally just released an article as we're recording on it, so you probably already know my thoughts. Um, but just to to kind of recap for those that that don't that don't read and prefer to listen or can't read and prefer <laughs> to listen when you know who you are. Um, the uh, My thoughts are Ben Coker, I'm very surprised about. Yeah. Um, and again, I've seen a lot of negativity there about why do we sign Ben Coker, blah, blah, blah. Criticism, criticism, criticism of people that have won three trophies for us in three years and put us where we are now. Um, so I can see why we signed Ben Coker because we signed Michael O'Connor last year from a similar situation. Uh, you know, we had plenty of central midfielders last year, arguably. Um, we signed Michael O'Connor and he, he's gone on to, to be one of our star performers really over, over the past 18 months. Could have happened with Ben Coker. Um, Danny and Nicky probably in their mind thought that somebody might come in for Harry Toffolo. Didn't think that it would be them, of course, but you know, then you need a backup, don't you? So you bring in Ben Coker and you've got Max Malburn in on loan. So I can see why we signed him. I can't mm-hmm. see why we're casting him aside so quickly, uh, especially if if other transfer moves do happen. You know, we could maybe do with that little bit of um, experience to, to bring in. My only thought is that perhaps having not played for nearly 18 months, Ben Coker wants regular football. Um, and if he's fit and ready to go, you know, it, it benefits him leaving if he's not going to get games just as much as it benefits us uh, getting him off the wage bill. As for Tom Pett, there's a big debate, isn't there? And I'm sure we can have this debate now. Is he good enough for League One or not? Um, he's not really been given the chance. You know, he, he came on against Peterborough, fluffed his lines with a bad pass, but anyone can do it. And there was plenty of opportunities to stop the goal before it then developed. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't a mistake of Sunderland proportions. Yeah. Uh, played at Gillingham, <clears> didn't <throat> have a great game, but not probably not match fit. And that's the last we're probably going to see of him. Mm. I find it a shame. I don't see a place in a Michael Appleton side for Tom Pett, if I'm brutally honest. Yeah. Um, I don't see him sitting in what I call the double six. You know, the, the two midfielders are, are, are like a pair of sixes for me. Um, surging forward, mopping up. I don't see him playing there. And I don't see him playing in the 10 role. And he's not a winger. Uh, if you're playing a flat 4-4-2 and you've got kind of a tackler and a passer in midfield, Tom Pett's your man for the passing and the surging forward. Um, but he's not going to oust Joe Morell. Uh, he's out of contract at the end of the season. He ain't going to get football. And at the end of the season, Michael will drastically reshape the squad. Mm. I can see the theory behind it. I still think that Tom Pett possibly does have League One quality in him, lower League One quality in him, but League One quality nonetheless. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'd probably agree as much as it you know as much as it pains me to say it because you've. Um, I, I like Tom Pett. I think he's a you know he's a decent lad. Um, he's always he, he seems to be one of the 
one of the characters in the squad, you know, one of the one of the lads, if you like. Um, and he's he's always, you know, he's always up for a chat. If you see him around the ground, he'll always make time for everybody. Um, and on the pitch as well, I think we started to see started to see the glimpses of his quality. Um, the the moment for me where it really started to to make sense that we'd signed him was the goal against Yeovil last year. Um, was it Yeovil? When was that? Uh, when Pets, he sort of took it onto one foot and then curled it in from just outside the box. Was that last? I, he I scored against Yeovil last game of the 2017-18 season. That might be when I'm thinking of, yes. Um, but that was when we no, started... I, was, I, was, I didn't uh, see it, I was in hospital. Um, I can't remember. It, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that was the goal, but it was where he sort of, he just sort of took it aside and and it was the touch that made the goal where you think, hang on, this lad's got some quality about him. Um, I think it's a little bit of a shame that he's not going to be able to to get the game time um, to to show what he's about in League One with Lincoln City. Um, it's It's not that surprising though, when you consider that, Michael's now trying to move George Grant into the middle of mid, you know, into the centre of midfield. Um, we've also got so many more midfielders in, in the squad, and I think Michael also wants to make sure that he continues to develop um, Ellis Chapman as well. You know, we've, we've got a lot of players that are going to be able to play in that in that area. Um, so it, it's like you say, is he does he have a space in this squad? I don't think he does at the moment, which is a bit of a shame. Um, the other one that that kind of surprised me a little bit was uh, a little bit earlier on in the week when Bruno and O'Connor went was uh, was talking about uh, Jack Payne. Now Jack Payne was somebody that when he came into the club, um, you were you know you'd sort of tipped him and you said this guy's going to be impressive, and then he started with you know started the games and he he really did look like a live wire, um, but he's not in Michael Appleton's favour at all, is he? No, he's tailed off, hasn't he? And I think there was there was a point in September or October where the likes of me that had championed Jack Payne and who were saying he's going to come good and all that sort of stuff, we had to hold our hands up and go, yeah, it's not working, is it? I mean, I tipped him. I remember tipping him up to score against Oxford at home. This is Jack Payne's time to shine. And we got beat 6-0 and he was anonymous. Uh, mm. And then I think he scored up against Wimbledon and I think he's got one other kind of tapping or something. I can't remember. Um, but he's just... He's not done it. Now, I know for a fact from chatting to the previous manager um, after he left that the, the, the plan this season, I've said it before, was he you know, they knew that we were going to lose more games than we'd lost in the previous three seasons, probably combined. Um, so they needed to give supporters at home something to look forward to. And they decided to sign George Grant and Jack Payne and Tyler Walker and players like that because they're footballers and they wanted to give a style of football that wasn't as um, as tough to watch, albeit at the expense perhaps of a couple of results. And I think that's what Jack Payne is. He's a great footballer on his day, you know, and when the sun's shining and Southend are getting beat 4-0 or Accrington are getting beat 2-0, he'll be the one pulling the strings left, right and centre. But as the season's gone on and the pitches have got heavy and the weather's got cold, he's shooting because he was shooting for fun, but he's never been accurate. You know, he's never hit a shot like the young lads for Bolton were doing the other night. Even mm. Not even the one that went in. He's never hit them so close, you know, with such perfect trajectory. It's always been kind of oh, just scuff wide. Oh, he's not really caught that properly. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a massive Jake Hesketh fan, if I'm honest. 
Um, that 10 role for me is still problematic. It was problematic last year. I liked Shane McCartan, but McCartan wasn't getting forward enough to, to help Akindi, um, at the time. And I'm, I, I just feel that it's still an issue now. Um, you know, Hesketh does a lot of running and, I, you know, people respect that. And Jake Sheridan always gets talked up for being such a great player because he put all the effort in. But if you're not producing the end product, for me, that's a problem. Mm. And, you know, our number 10 should be leading the way in a combination of assists and goals because they should be playing off the nine, picking up the pieces. They should be providing the ball for the nine. They should be leading in shot assists because they'll be picking up on the edge of the 18 and are looking to get it in the area. If you're playing centrally, looking on, you can play it into either of the channels. And as yet, that hasn't happened. And so when we weren't creating chances back in September and everyone was on all the players back saying, we, you know, we're not good enough, we're not shooting enough, it's Michael Appleton's fault, Jack Payne is paying the price for that now because it was Jack Payne's role to create chances and score chances through September and October when we weren't doing it. And I think Michael has had a long look at him and his wages, because let's face it, he's going to be earning probably in the top bracket. Yeah, I think Michael's looked at that and thought, do you know what, there ain't a future here for Jack. Um, Mm. I'd like to see if he's got the right character now, he'll bounce back. If he's not the right character, he won't. And I think that's where George Grant has really surprised me because I thought he was the sort of player who, when he was taken off at halftime against Wimbledon, we were always led to believe he was the sort of character that would either, that would down tools and, you know, by Mansfield, oh, he's not up for it. And yet he's proven to me that he's got a great attitude. It's up to Jack Payne now to do the same. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I did see something the other day, actually, that made me chuckle when uh, they were, there was a lot of speculation about... Um, Tyler Walker at the minute and all the rest of it and uh, there was um, some somebody said oh Mansfield made George Grant and Tyler Walker the players that they are now mm, hmm, hmm, hmm. I think there might there's several people that will probably agree to disagree on that one um, I'd agree that um, they made Tyler Walker I'd agree with that. I don't think Tyler Walker had had impressive loan spells before he went to Mansfield. Um, you know, he'd been at Bolton, I think. I might be wrong about that. Yes, in the championship was, yeah. or uh, in League One and struggled. I think he'd been at Stevenage and hadn't impressed. Um, Mansfield gave him significant senior football and he hit 20 goals, 22 goals for them. He's only six off that now and we're not even into the middle of January. Um, so, yes, they gave him the platform to bulk up to know what to expect more in senior football and they're given regular regular appearances we're now accentuating that and I tell you something at the end of this season Nottingham Forest are going to get a player back that in my opinion if somebody else wanted to go in and buy would be costing upwards of 1.52 million pounds you cannot score if he finishes this season let's say on let's say for, for for argument's sake, he finishes on 25 goals. And I think it was 22 last season. You can't score 50 goals in two years as a 23-year-old in League One and League Two and then go to a championship side and not be rated at seven figures. It, it, you know, if, if that player, look at Jack Marriott at Peterborough. Jack Marriott, young lad at Peterborough, I think he scored 22 and 30. He scored 50 or 50 odd goals over two seasons and he got a four or five million pound move to, to Derby County. If Tyler Walker keeps doing what he's doing right now because bear in mind, these aren't penalties. He scored what, one penalty, two penalties possibly? He's missed more than he's scored, hasn't he? Yeah. I think it's even in it. I think it's 2 2. I think he's scored two. I might be wrong. You might be right. Um, but whatever, he's 
when he goes back to Forest, people are saying, oh, we could look at buying Tyler Walker. No chance. Yeah. No chance at all. If Forrest don't want him, somebody like Sunderland pays 1.5 million for him all day long, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we've got to, just as on that, we've got two players in my mind who right now are worth a million pounds because I think Joe Morell is as well. Don't care what anyone says about him uh, uh, being on loan. I don't care if, if people say we, we have a tendency to overrate our own players. Joe Morell is a million pound midfielder in my instant, in my opinion. Um, I think he's proving that he's international. Uh, he's he's driving off our play half the time. You know, mm. he's he's picking games up by the scruff of the neck. And it's just such a pain that, you know, those two players are, are going to go at the end of the season, hopefully at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the other thing at the minute. There's, there's a, lot of, a lot of talk, a lot of speculation about who's going to be where and, you know, are, are certain players going to get recalled? And I think we've we've sort of done done our take on the on the podcast last week um particularly around Tyler Walker um I think there was a lot of people seemingly you know in the know or whatever however you want to put it it was just uh, it's one of those but ultimately like I think you've said and I think it's now been more or less bandied about in the press as well if they want to take him back they will have to pay some sort of compensation and it will have to be agreed by all parties um I think the forest manager even alluded to that in his press conference the other day as well. So it, it's not good. He's basically Michael Appleton is not letting Tyler Walker go back to forest without a fight. So, and uh, are you the kind of person that wants to get in a fight with Michael Appleton? I hope you're not asking me that question. The answer is fucking obvious. Isn't it? I'm not the sort of person that get in a fight with my missus. <laughs> no, that's fair. Um, so, um, Right. What are we? Um, what are we We've got a game about? Saturday, Ben. Just to we have got you. a game Saturday. Yeah, no, I'm yeah, just trying to think. There was one yeah. thing I, I just wanted to say as well. Actually, um, one more thing to to pick up from Bolton. You mentioned it sort of in at the time. Um, I know we are, you know, we are pegged as big dif- uh, apologizers is probably a bit too bit too strong. But a lot of people say that you know we we make apologies and we make excuses for for Big John. But all, honestly, I thought Tuesday he had a fantastic game. Yes, it was against a team that were, were very clearly getting hammered and it was a young team, all the rest of it. But I thought when he came on, um, he, he put himself about, he did really well. And then it was that moment when he hit the ball and he scuffed it a little bit and it went into the turf and bounced up and it looked like it was going to loop. And I just thought, oh, here we go again. But he picked himself up and his first goal was what a finish that was. I thought he struck it sweetly. Really good, really good movement to make the uh, to make the goal and fantastic interception from Harry Anderson on that one as well. So, um, right, anything you want to add to that on Big John, or shall we shall we move on to the weekend? No, we'll move on. Cool. Okay. Right. So Blackpool at home at the weekend. Um, currently, two places above us in the table. They've got the <laughs> same amount of points as us in the table. Why are you tittering, You've been, Gary? Been doing some. Because <laughs> it's your research, man. It's immaculate. <laughs> it's it's almost it's almost as if just before we came on air, we both went online and had a look at it, isn't it? <laughs> you, oh man, it's, you know it's like the Wizard of Oz, mate. You don't want to peer behind the curtain. Oh. It's not real, the Wizard of Oz, and neither is your research. <laughs> well, sometimes it is. Anyway, it is. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> so yes, Blackpool. You didn't know they were on the same points as us, so you know. No, I didn't. I don't look at. I've not been looking at the league table above us. I've been looking at it below us. 
Oh, that's... I'm not aiming for that. I don't think we're going for the playoffs. No. Uh, I want us to establish ourselves in this division. So all I keep doing is looking down. Mm. And as that gap continues to open up, I've got no interest whatsoever. I've got no interest when, um, and I, I like Michael and Tomo, but I've got no interest when Michael Horton on the radio says, we're only four points off the playoffs. So mm. what? we're not going to make, we're not going to make them. Mm. Um, in my opinion, if we did, it would be a shock. I mean, even, uh, my mate uh, Pete, who gets plenty of messages on, uh, plenty of airtime on here, probably more so than anybody else. I think hmm. he messaged me the other day and said, "You know, you got twelve home games left before Bolton. This was, um, you know, the playoffs for a serious prospect." Hmm. I'm not acknowledging that, so hmm. that's why I only look down. That's my excuse for not knowing that we were on the same amount of points as Blackpool, and I am sticking to it. Well, you certainly looked down on everybody when I was waving at you on Tuesday night as you walked past me. Didn't say really? hello. Where was that? <laughs> just before the game, um, we were at, we were stood in our a regular spot, and uh, you just you, you know just walked oh, straight. Oh, so <sighs> you're you've got me. It was blind as a bat when the night goes down. I walked past Jackie Atkins, who I'd been in a supporters board meeting with fifteen minutes earlier, and she was waving at me because she was with her husband, and I didn't notice until we were side by side who they were. <laughs> I'm afraid, I'm afraid visual is not a way to attract my attention. Audible yeah, is the best way to right, go Gary. about it. It's all right. It's all right. That's, it's all right. We know, you know, we know where your loyalties are. <laughs> all right. Anyway, let's, let's hear your, <laughs> let's hear your, uh, your wonderfully researched uh, take on Blackpool then. Yeah, no problem. Well, first of all, um, Blackpool are a real mixed bag. Uh, I mean, obviously, I didn't realise they were as low as they were. I tipped them up to be um, playoff candidates and, and looking at their results, which I'll touch upon in a minute, um, it's really not gone that way. Uh, I thought they had a great array of attacking options, but they persist with playing one up front. Uh, they've got no real set pattern. Uh, their last away games, they've played 3-5-2 against Sunderland, 4-2-3-1 against Tranmere, 4-1-4-1 against Rotherham, and then 4-4-1-1 against Reading, which is understandable in the FA Cup. Um, when you actually look at their formations, uh, and again, this is from Scout, they've played 4-2-3-1 22% of the time, 3-5-2 17%. Then uh, also in double figures, 4-4-1-1-4-3-1-2. They've played 4-4-2-4-3-3-4-1-4-1-3-4-1-2. Now that sounds almost like a new kind of binary, doesn't it? It's. <laughs> I was just sat there going, it, Gary's just Gary's just saying numbers at this point. Gary's I, I broke. <laughs> Somebody's broke Gary. 3-4-6-9-4-4-2-1-4-3-4-4-2. Is Gary trying to recite pi to in, you know, 94 digits or whatever? Now, this yeah. this was a worry of mine uh, for them, and I still tip them because I thought their transfer business was great, but a worry of mine was Simon Grayson. Um, I, he did a great job once upon a time with Preston, I think it was. Didn't do well at Sunderland, didn't do well at Bradford, didn't do well at Leeds, and I just had it in the back of my mind that perhaps he was a spent force. Managers kind of, they come in and out of vogue. There's very few managers who remain as good as they've always been uh, and I, I just now looking at this, I do worry a little bit uh, for Grace and he's under an awful lot of pressure after a terrible run of results. Um, and considering what the feel, the feel good factor at Blackpool last season, getting rid of the Oysters, getting the, uh, I think it's Simon Sadler, I think is their owner, um, who, who took over, who's a lifetime lifetime Blackpool, Blackpool fan and they came back to the ground after the self-imposed exile, the fans. It just all felt like this was set up for them to kick on and go on and, and, and be in the top two, not just the top six, the top two. That's how 
you know, I looked at their their transfer policy and I thought that they were good enough to do that. Mm. I mean, when you look at some of the players that they've got now, I'm, I don't know if I'm well known or not for not being able to pronounce names, um, but they've got a kid up front who is going to, uh, I'm going to really struggle with, Armand Nandulet, Nandule. Uh, Great big lump of a striker, scored double figures, French, I believe, possibly. Um, but it, yeah, they've got him. They've got Joe Nuttall, who I who I rated. He was one that was uh, Danny targeted for us uh, back in the transfer window last year, I believe, actually. Um, mm. He came from Blackpool, uh, Blackburn, rather. In the midfield, they signed Sean Scannell, uh, who's, who's scored goals for fun at this level and above before. Really tricky winger. They've got Liam Feeney, who's a really good player. He dropped... Further back into the defence, they didn't sign him, but they've got Curtis Tilt, a uh, really good player, uh, Curtis Tilt is. Um, I think they've just signed Mark Bowler back on loan from Middlesbrough, who did well for them last season and left for Middlesbrough. And I have a sneaky suspicion that by the time you read this, they will have signed Gary Medine as well, who's recently been released by Cardiff, who was uh, at Bolton. He was the guy that served a prison sentence while he was at... Sheffield Wednesday for smacking Sheffield United fans in a pub or something. Hmm. Um, so he's a handful. But do you know what? They've got such a good squad that I really thought that they would do an awful lot better than they are doing. And when you look at their latest results, um, they, had a, they had a good run November to beginning of December where they put uh, they put six wins together. But when you look at those wins, yes, they beat Peterborough 4-3, a good result. They've then won in the... Football League trophy against Wolves under-21s. They've won one against Morecambe at home in the FA Cup, two games they should have won. They've then beat Wimbledon at home, should win that. Uh, they've drawn at Ipswich. They've then lost in the Football League trophy. And then their next two wins beat Maidstone at home in the FA Cup, probably should have done, uh, and Fleetwood. So in actual fact, they've only had two wins that you would say that were of any real significance since they beat us 2-1 in September. Mm. Um, they're on a run at the moment of seven games without a win that includes draws away at Tranmere, Sunderland and Reading in the FA Cup which was a good result Uh, defeats at Rotherham who are top granted uh, at home to Reading who are championship granted but they've lost at home to Shrewsbury at home to Accrington you know it's I was when when I saw these two fixtures back to back I said four points from the two would be would be acceptable I still feel that would be acceptable Looking at where Blackpool are, looking at how they're um, currently progressing, knowing that their full first team played on on Tuesday night against Reading at home, you know, it's, it, uh, that's going to have taken a lot more out of them than our game against um, Bolton did. Mm. Yeah, do you know what? I'm not going to I'm, I'm not going to call out any of their players uh, because that. They inevitably end up scoring past us, um, <laughs> but I actually don't think Blackpool are anything like the team I thought we would be seeing on Saturday. No, it sounds like they're not. They're almost not the team that we saw beaters in September either. Um, and it, obviously, you know, in terms of uh, in terms of manpower, in terms of the, the, the actual personnel, they obviously will be. But it's um, yeah, something's something's not quite right there, and it I wouldn't go so far as to say that the wheels will come off and, and all the rest of it, but they're, they're definitely not where they would have expected to be at this point, as as you've pretty much said there. So, 
also you say that the team they're not the same team that beat us uh, and I, I'm, I've got to get this in because it was obviously incredibly popular last week. Um, but their XG uh, is <laughs> averages around uh, across both home and away fixtures. It's around 1.3 either way. So, you know, they're, they're roughly level drawing games uh, on XG. But away from home, actually, they uh, predictably don't do as well on XG. Uh, so uh, if we get chances, there's every possibility, I think, that, that we could... We could snatch this. The key here is going to be us not losing the game. And by that, I don't mean physically losing it. I mean us not going out and uh, playing out from the back and giving the ball away. Um, we'll still play out from the back, but if you know, this game is ours to lose, uh, is ours to win rather. And I think unless it's a massively improved Blackpool side, um, our biggest danger is ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um which I think you know, fans can understand that you know it's taken some settling in. Incidentally, did you see Key and Bulger getting mad with the uh, co-op stand? Yeah, I I did see that, and I wondered whether that was at the time him giving it back, or whether it was you know him sort of saying something to himself. I'm just hmm. No, I I think because I thought there was a little hand gesture, not a rude hand gesture, but just kind of like a... Oh, for God's sake sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I, I'm not going to criticise Kean. Um, I can understand that. They're told what to do. And if they're told what to do and then the fans are getting on their back, mm. bang out of order. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've... <clears throat> excuse me, we've said it before. It's um, It's obviously something that's being... It's being pushed down as a as a tactic or a you know a style that they need to get used to. So, unfortunately, the only real way you're going to get used to it is doing it in a game. But ultimately, that can lead to moments where it's a little bit hairy. And I thought there were a couple of those on uh, on Tuesday. I think there was, I think there was one which uh, had me swearing while inhaling at the same time, which sounded quite impressive. But uh, uh, anyway. Um, right. Is there anything more that we need to talk about? You got anything you want to plug this week? I know we need to, we need to plug. No, I'm, I'm hoping to be impressed by your preparation. Okay. Right. Well, I'll, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you some prep in a minute, but we'll, um, we'll, we'll do the, the plug first off, which is, uh, for Dean, obviously Dean's, um, doing his, is it his run? Oh, Dean does loads of charity stuff all the time. It's crazy. Um, and I've opened the wrong Twitter app, which is really annoying because I had the message ready to go. This is incredibly professional. Um, right. So uh, radio, radio silence. Yes. Radio silence. Dead air, dead air, dead air. There we go. Um, right. So, um, Dean is, um, raising money for the John Egging Trust, um, to, uh, well, he's, he's got the picture, the print of the Lancaster, um, to to donate or to give away to a lucky winner five pounds an entry at a link that we will tweet um it will be tweeted around the same time as the pod i'll also put it in the podcast um notes if you listen to this on your phone or wherever it'll be in the notes um and i'm sure you can possibly put it in the piece on the site about the about the pod as well gary yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Um, so yes, uh, it's to to raise money for the John Egging Trust, which kind of helps inspire young people um, through uh, well through their their charity there. So go donate because Dean's great and he does an awful lot of charity all the time, and he's going to be running all over the place because that's what Dean does. Because apparently, it's running great is a, run. the what? 
the Great North Run, isn't it? Yes. He's doing. Yeah, the, you know, running but, is uh, something that apparently is enjoyable for some people. I'll, <laughs> I'll never understand it. I will never understand it, but some people enjoy it anyway. I don't enjoy it because when I have lots of dreams that I'm running away, and so if I have to run in real life, I feel like I'm running away from something. Um, so I don't, I don't do running. Fair enough. A great amount. I do a bit of walking. Okay. Well, my other bit of preparation um, is coming from uh, you know last week. Last week, somebody replied and said seven out of ten was the amount they were surprised. Oh, he's remembered. Damn right, I've remembered. I've got two. You've got two. Okay, I've got two. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I've actually got I've got two as well because. Well, should we just do one each and then we'll do one next week? Yep. Okay. Right. I'm hoping we've not got the same one. Um, but my uh, my first celebrity with a surprising age uh, is Keanu Reeves. Ooh, I would have said fifty-five. Ooh, he's fifty-four. Wow, that's not surprising. I don't, I don't think you're going to get a massive, uh, a massive lot of. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm mumbling like a <laughs> madman. I don't think you're going to get a big score for that one. I mean, it's yeah. not as it's not as bonkers as Tim Westwood is 62, is it? I know. I'm malfunctioning, aren't I? I can't speak. <laughs> I, I can only think of swear words. I'm spouting random numbers. It's it's crazy. <laughs> okay, okay. Here's mine then. Go on then. Tina Turner. Oh God, she must be 80. Oh, he's on the nose. Oh, get in. I'll take that. Tina Turner. Wow. There we go. So let us know how surprised you are with those ages. Um, This is a great feature. (laughs) (laughs) He's got got nothing to do with Lincoln City. He's got nothing to do with football. And most people probably know the age of Keanu Reeves and Tina Turner anyway. And yet somehow we've made it into three or four minutes on the podcast. Yeah, um, you know, we're, we're all in for, for bonkers features because it's uh, it's just a good bit of fun, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, right, um, that's probably going to do us for the week. Um, hopefully we can uh, we can get a result at the weekend uh, against the Blackpool team, as you say, that are starting to struggle a little bit. So if you see us at the ground, say hello. If you see Jake in his high viz, uh, give him a wave and uh, we'll see you next week. All right, guys, that's take care. Bye-bye. the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.